Just crazy things happening all over the earth in regards to this type of thing, you know. I was just listening to Troy Brewer, who is, they've saved over 10,000 children from sex trafficking. And he just brought a testimony last week. Um, and there was one girl that they came, the cartel came with the, the mother from one of the ch girls that they had um, they had rescued and because it wasn't a formal orphanage in Mexico they could come and take the, the child back and so this these are intense things so I mean he is straight out he's like I'm going to go find this girl again as well as whoever else is with her but she got moved off to Colombia already just like that and so there is, there's a serious issue in the earth. And the church needs to become the church. We can't be hiding. I mean, it, we do our worship services in buildings, but God's got a way bigger destiny than just a Sunday morning, you know, hallelujah service. And I, well, listen, worship was awesome today. But I want you to know that God wants you to be secure in your identity and who he created you to be, that you have a mission on your life. I said that you have a mission on your life and that it flows out of the place of, of intimacy with the Lord and he declares things over you and he wants you to step into these things. You know, there's an identity issue that's rampant all over the, look at America right now. People don't know, they're, they, they're, they're confused about their sexual identity. They're confused that, they, that God made them a man. Uh, am I a woman? This is not a question. These are not deep theological questions. So they're just like, we've got a whole generation that I think their minds fell out. The spiritually just been, talk about spiritual bankruptcy. Their minds have been lost. But I'm telling you, there's, there's a, come on, you all right? Listen, the, the Lord is like, was talking to me, speaking to me about these things this week, about how a whole generation, like probably two generations, have been lost. I mean, my generation was pretty lost. Now I'm watching the generations behind me get pretty lost. In the 50s, we didn't have the issues we have in the 2020s. Hello. And there's a confusion. There's, you're going to have someone who's going, who's, think of an adolescent. Who's got issues going on inside of them. They don't know who they are. And you're going to give them the, the, the right and decision. And not to tell their parents to change their, their literal physiology. This is crazy. I'm making a point. This is bringing me to my point. I'm not just ranting. It's because of identity. And a whole generation, their parents have lost their minds, apparently. Come on, this is why. Why do we need a transformed mind? 
because all the stuff that's been poured into the last three generations from 1960 all the way to here has corrupted the mindset within the church. Within the church, we're confused about who we are. <laughs> all right. You're not confused, but some other people are. But I'm going to solidify some things today because I believe that the Lord wants to minister and just begin to wake us up to where he's called us to be. He's called you, you you've been created in him. Everyone who doesn't even know the Lord was created in Christ. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we'll, we'll start there. It says this, for we are his workmanship, thank you Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, 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 that we should walk in them. The Passion Translation, I love it. Same verse. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us for we are joined to Christ, the anointed one. Come on, that's good news for you. That you've been connected, you're joined, you're tethered to Jesus. If you've been blood-bought and you're saved in this room, you've been tethered to Christ. There's a new reality that you live from, right? Even before you were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we should do to fulfill it. And I just want to touch on a few things. I'm really, I feel like I'm going to be fast today. And famous last words. Swift. All right, fast, maybe not. Swift. But our identity is not what we claim. Our identity is what we manifest. You hear me? Our identity isn't because I say the verses right and I speak them over my life and I try to, you know, put the Bible over my face and make it melt into me somehow, osmosis. I say that because, listen, listen, I did things when I first got saved. My mind needs such renewal. I did everything. I would put the Bible. I like that verse. I'll lay it on my chest and go to sleep. All right? And I believe it works because God knows your heart. Right? I just needed it. My mind was so twisted, so messed up, so bent on sin that he needed to do something to flick the switch on me. And some ways it didn't happen all at once, but he wants your identity to be solid. And he wants you to know that you were created in him first. I don't care what happened to you in your past, you were created in him first. In f it's undeniable. And so my identity is not how I pray, or how you pray, it's how you pray is defined by your identity. Did you miss that? What is going on inside of your heart? What do you confess out of your mouth? What do you, what do you bear before the Lord? And I just want you to see a couple of things because the prodigal son's a perfect picture of this. And... You know, the favored son that stayed home. They're both pictures of this because the prodigal, when he came home, he didn't have to do anything. 
Listen, this is so simple, but it's so powerful. And we know the story. And don't think you know the story because if it hasn't touched your heart or changed your heart in some way, then we, we have to go back to the story. But he came out of living a lifestyle just bankrupt. He bankrupt. He took all dad's money and went and just squandered it, the Bible says. How many were there? That was me. I didn't have the, I didn't have the inheritance, but I just squandered my life. It, you know? And I was good at it. <laughs> I know you're all sanctified. I was good at it. But the Lord just, just like this story, when I came back to the Lord and I made one phone call, my father said, just come home. Hadn't talked to him for seven years. Just come home. Come on. Now listen, listen, this is the same story. This is the same story. But he, he gives you the ring and the robe, and he, and, he, and he has a barbecue for you because he's, he loves you, because he's happy you're home, because he wants you to stay home and, and stay in the place where he's called you. He wants you to stay living in the presence of the Father. But I'm telling you, there's a ring, there's a ring of authority he's given you, there's a robe of righteousness that he's given you, and there's a feast that he has for you every day. Every day. This is that thing I just spoke to us about. His mercy's new every morning. He has a ring, he gives you, he might even upgrade your ring every week, you know, you never know. But authority's authority. So if he gives me the ring of authority, then I walk in authority. It's no question. I don't pray prayers of authority. Ah, it's a mindset. Listen, we're going to see this whole thing's a mindset. So he was, Jacob did the same thing. Jacob did the same thing. Remember, he was pushed out of the, you know, in the womb. He got checked. Came out on his brother's heel positioned himself anyway and stole everyone say stole stole, stole his brother's inheritance birthright he came and took it swift come on and god listen this is where you want to be i know he was a supplanter and he gets a bad rap but i'm telling you there's a, there's a picture for us to see that the Lord always, listen, he gave his, his older brother, he, built, he made him some stew. Come on, man. Got that smell, that aroma going on, big, making him some lentil stew. And he was out there. He was, he was doing whatever he was doing. He was hunting, coming back in, and he's got that stew. And, and, and Esau's just like, I'll eat, yeah, I'll give you whatever you want. I just want the soup. Sad story. But reality. Don't take something lower when you've been called to higher. And the Lord wants us to step into this place even today. There's something that the Lord wants us to step into. And it's a life. Listen, you've, it's already been given to you. It came on the day of salvation. You think your deliverance is hinging upon how 
how God releases authority to you, how he blesses you. Listen, God will do what he needs to do in you in a moment as soon as we realize how much we need him, how much we desire him, and we begin to move our lives in that fashion. There is something that has to happen within you. The Spirit of God must convince you what you need is him. What I need is him. So God's looking for those who know who they are and are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Now, I'm not into begging. I don't beg God. But God is looking for you to position yourself. This is what this whole thing was this mo- the earlier. I was going to say this morning. We're never in the morning. This is what this whole thing about surrendering the heart. We constantly come back to that, and we should always. And God has seated you in heavenly places with Christ. But that does not manifest itself until we really step into the fullness of it. Amen? Identity gives you access. Identity gives you access. Your identity gives you access. How many know, listen, if I go going on a plane trip, if I don't have my ID, I'm not going anywhere. TSA will say, see ya. If I'm going overseas, if I don't have a passport that says I'm, you know, the expiration date is happening before, you know, I get back. Thankfully, and I don't get caught stuck on the other side of the pond or something or in South America. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't go. You don't have access to the plane. You don't have access to business class unless you have the right ticket. Come on, you're just flying coach. Glory to God for coach. I fly coach. But you understand what I'm saying. There, there are places that we, we can't get into a lot of places because we don't have access. I was thinking about the guy that, that even, he, he used to build furniture in this place. He built furniture with key cards that you had access to the side panels that you could hide weapons in. You could hide money in. They were literally furniture safes. But you wouldn't know because it looked like normal furniture. But you just wave the key or push the key in, bink, the thing opens, you have access. God wants to patent our lives in this way where we are used to step into new places. And he wants to give you access. And listen, he's not hiding anything from you. I always say this. Bill Johnson probably said it first. He's not hiding things from you. He's hiding things for you. And we have to learn that God has everything ready. It's on a table. There is a banquet table every day for you. And the Lord is saying, listen, your identity, put on the robe of righteousness. You don't have to put it on. You should wake up with it on. Like this whole thing about putting on the armor of God. I know the Lord gives us that in Scripture, but I, I said this uh, during Bible study. I wake up locked and loaded. Like I'm, I'm full of, I'm on, I got armor all over me. Come on. You're, you should be sleeping in spiritual armor, awake in spiritual armor. It should always be on you to protect you from what? The wiles of the enemy. 
And everything hinges upon this helmet of salvation. Because the helmet of salvation just protects your mind. And so we really don't have, we really don't learn to like move into higher places in God. You don't. I don't, I don't think I, I, in, I could understand where God wanted to take me till my identity began to really get solid. Right? I mean, if things aren't inaccessible, we pray for the sick. Like, God wants things to happen. He wants you to manifest. He doesn't want you to just declare. Right? Because we use the word all the time. And I love the word. You know I love the Bible. But we use the word to, like... It, it, like, this, this is my special thing that I say, and some, it's magical. Like, it's going to make something happen. <laughs> I know. You're thinking, well, well, we use the word. We do use the word. But I'm telling you, there's something with authority that has to happen in your life, that the word becomes a part of you, and, the, and who God says you are in the word becomes a part of you. You become so tethered to him. When I say that, it's like you're stuck. You, he's got you by the hand, and you're not going anywhere. And so our identity gives us access, and our, our identity is not defined by our disabilities. Our identity isn't defined by the things that happened in your past, by the brokenness, by the divorce, by being fatherless. By being motherless, by being abused. It, it doesn't define you. It shouldn't define you. All the things that you went through in your past, come on. I feel the Lord, right? People are thinking, don't think too long about it, but I just want you to think about it because you have to come into a, a reality. If you don't come into the truth, right, the truth can't set you free. And so we look at the truth. Yes, these things happened. All, this thing went, all these things went sideways, but God brings me into a perfect purpose with him. Listen, his destiny over your life is incredible, you just have, and you have a key to it. You just don't know how to use it. It is in the word. It's in prayer. But I feel like there's a deeper thing that God wants to bring you into. It's knowing who you are. And knowing what he created you to do. And when you know these things, all of a sudden you begin to slide. Like it's like an ease instead of a struggle. Are you with me? And so your identity does not determine or define your, your abilities. It's not, excuse me, it's not determined or defined by your abilities. Don't define yourself by your circumstances of situational awareness. That's what I just said. But by what's hidden within you. See, the presence of God, the King of glory, the Bible says when I come to Christ, I receive the Holy Spirit, the King of glory, he's inside of me. The hope of glory is inside of me. His Spirit flows through me. That means I've been completely rewired. Are we turning the fans off because everyone else is cold? Okay. (laughs) 
So Jesus, I just want you to see some things. That Jesus, Jesus' identity was, dis, was, dis, was determined by his ability to follow through his assignment. We were talking about this, and I feel like he went through temptation, right? He went through his earthly ministry. How many know he had critics? How many know he had a lot of people? The Bible says that he was despised and rejected by men. Here we go. Ready? Identity. Your identity is not determined by how many people love you. Your identity is not determined by how many followers you have on social media. Your identity is not determined by how popular you were in high school or college or in the church group or whoever, wherever you were. It's not determined by that. Your popularity in heaven is determined by your connection to the Son of God. And so we have these things that combat, combat, combat us in our minds. And it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> I'm not declaring it over this place, but it's a problem in church. Because we determine our value by what we do. If I determine my value by this, someday it'll all crumble. It'll all be gone. I'm not saying that the ministry will fail, but I'm just saying someday all this will pass away. And we get, and people, I watch it, I watch it in ministry. If anything, I don't push myself in certain situations because of this. Because I don't want my, deter- my, my identity determined on how I perform, what I do, how hungry I am for ministry. Your identity isn't in what you do, whether it's ministry or what you do secularly or how your family connects with you. Come on, somebody. We'd all be in in trouble. Come on. Every one of you in here would probably say when they had the word dysfunctional, my my family's picture is right next to it. You know? Seriously. And so, listen, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world, and the only thing that holds it together is Jesus. So if he's the only person that holds it together, then we better connect to the one thing that holds it together, because our identity is found in that one thing, him. It's the person of Jesus, right? So he walked, but here, here, I just want you to see, because he walked through his life knowing one thing. That he had to go to the cross. Just think about that time when he's in Gethsemane and everything all literally hell. Like I love the passion of the Christ because it shows you that spot with the, you know, the devil coming around and the snake and the serpent and all that whole scene's awesome. Freaky, crazy. But it's like where you want to see Jesus, where he overcame right there. Because listen... After the cross, he was dead. Death is nothing. Listen to me. Death is nothing. This is why we talked about self-denial last week. 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, loving not our lives even unto death. If you love your life, you'll lose it. If you love your life not unto death, then that means you'll give everything to get the one thing. So that you do what God spoke to you. So that there's nothing else that matters. You'll just go after Jesus. You'll, fu- you'll walk with him and he'll bring you through everything. I said everything. everything. He's the only way through. Right. It was interesting. I took a walk today. I don't usually take a walk on Sunday. But it was so nice. Like the air, I could breathe it instead of like, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I take this walk down this path near water and the path just kept narrowing and narrowing and narrowing and narrowing. And then I came out at the end and it was a beautiful view. But it li- literally was down like this. I'm crawling through it because I wanted to just get to the end. And here, God, this is so good because God will maybe narrow your path. And even the closer you get to the fullness of what God wants to do in you, things become constricted. We talked about this during Bible study. Why does God constrict you? Why is he trying to hold you and and put you on a short leash? Because it's better if you're constricted, if the Holy Spirit's on your life and he's determining your path and you're not. You're with me? He's determining your path. You're not. And that's so what we need. I need God's direction. I don't need Miles' direction. I don't need Lisa's direction. Well, sometimes I do. A lot of times I do. Most of the time I do. How's that? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You understand my point? I need the, we need the Lord's direction. And in, le- in leading yourself into the full purposes of God for your life. Listen, everyone in this room, I wish I could just scream. Because I feel it inside of me. I wish I could just yell. I will. But, but here, i got to say a thing. Everyone in this room, there's such destiny of God inside of you. And what happens is we get drunk with the world. We get drunk with the things that continually cloud us. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying quit your job and go into the ministry because that's not the solution. You're called to be where, right where you are. You're called to be light right there. But God wants you to just step in to all the fullness of it and be totally un, just unleashed from everything that would try to control how you behave. In those situations where you feel like, I want to just give someone a peace of mind at work. Come on, people are lost. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the Lord. So what do we expect? Like, I don't expect people that get saved like two weeks ago to be like totally knowing what they're doing. Never mind someone who's serving the devil still. Well, not even the devil, just serving the world. Seriously, right? The Lord wants to come and he wants to baptize us with the fresh understanding of our identity today. And so he was despised and rejected by men. Listen, oh, he was crucified between two criminals. I just, we have to put things in perspective. 
Because if, if I was created in the image of Jesus Christ, we have to go that road. Right? We have to go that way. And he was despised. The Bible says in Isaiah, he was despised, rejected by his brethren. Right? So let me just say this. He was crucified with criminals, and religion tried to label him. And you're in church. <laughs> Who's, guess what? You got a label. Do you care what people think about your label? Shouldn't. Seriously, right? These are things that, like, I feel like we don't even think about. He was sent to the cross by religious people. Come on, he went through the governmental system. He went through all that stuff. He was locked up, scourged, all that stuff. Right? Just think, just think about David. Or we could go to Moses. You could go either two, either one of them. Right? Moses, this is going back to our, our past, right? He was a murderer. And he couldn't talk. Supposedly. I think he was trying to, you know, tell the Lord something. He just didn't want to talk, personally. Because how do you be raised up in, in the Egyptian school, the best education system on, on the, in the world at that time, and not be able to talk? That's foolishness. So, now that we squared that away, he was a liar. Okay? But he gave himself as soon as the burning bush showed up. And began to speak to him. Yeah, the fire of God. But he still argued with the Lord, didn't he? How many times did he? He had an anger problem. Oh, no, he did. He definitely had an anger problem. He wouldn't have killed the guy. He wouldn't have killed the Egyptian. Nor would he have smite the rock. After he was told, don't smite the rock, just speak to it. He said, those stinking guys, they don't believe me. Bam! I've never done that. Never. It's good you're laughing at me. Laugh. Listen, we have to. You have to laugh because this is how we do things, right? And we look at people in the Bible and we think, listen, they, were, they had it all together. They did not. David, look it. He had an issue too. He was a murderer too. Oh, that's two murderers in the Bible. And he had, a, he had an adultery issue. Couldn't keep, Yeah. Had problems. Come on. You got issues. Never mind Solomon. It just went. See, there's generational issues right there. Solomon had wives from every nation. Don't take a wife from any other nation. Oh, we'll just take all of them. Identity. He didn't know who he was. Are any of these guys, you're not going to see them in heaven? Wow, y'all got quiet. You're like, of course, no. I think David was a God, man after God's own heart. So he's going to be with the Lord. Moses, it says that God had to extinguish him. Come on, that's what you want. God releasing perfect health on your life. And God has to just shut you off at 120. You understand what I'm saying? They had tainted pasts. 
They had family issues. David was probably not Jesse's wife's Scholars will say that, that he probably wasn't his father, his mother's son. That's why they kept him out in the field. No, that's probably not why. But I'm just saying we all come out of some type of past, and God doesn't want you to live in your past. And why, are you, why do you come before the Lord? Is there motives why I come before the Lord? Or are you just coming to find him? So life's conditions, ready? If I think about my life, if I think about my last 30 years in Jesus, I think about the things that would come into my life to peel layers off of me, to get me more connected to who Christ has created me to be. So we, we, look, we look, right, all these guys that... All these heroes of the past, right? The hall of fame of faith. Listen, Abraham, another one. He was a liar. He was a worship idol. He worshiped idols before he knew God. All these people came out of a tainted past. They came out of crazy generational stuff. And God used them to bring the promise. I said to bring the promise. And so because of Christ's work inside of you, because he created you, and you were created in him. The Lord has done amazing things inside of you that you've yet to discover. So if, we, if your mistakes of your past remove you from the purposes of God, then you don't know who you are. I'm going to say that again. Because if your past is holding you back from where God wants to bring you, you don't know who you are. If you disqualify yourself... Because of the past, I'm telling you, you don't know who you are. I'm not declaring that over you. It's just going to be a reality that we're going to come back at, to, at right now. Romans 28, uh, Rom, Romans 28, Romans 8, 29 says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And again, I'm just going to read it in the Passion. I'm going to read 28 and 29. It says, so we, were, we, were, we are convinced that every detail of our lives are continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purposes for he knew all about us before we were born and destined us, destined us from the beginning to share in the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among the vast family of our brothers and sisters who will become just like him. We've got this thing about predestination. I'm not going to open the can. But when he says that he also, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, means this. 
that from the beginning of time, you are already in him. From the beginning of time, he already knew what was going to happen in your life. From the beginning, it means it was already pre-recorded. There's already a video on what you're about to do. Come on, it's already pre-recorded. But it's already been destined. It's not a matter of maybe I'll get in there, maybe I won't. Maybe I might get there. Uh, was I predestined? Was it? No, you're going there. Do you hear me? God is going to bring you into the destined purpose that you have. It's because of you, you knowing that he did it, that he's bringing you to it, and that he'll, he'll conquer everything with you, with you, with you. He'll conquer everything. So how do you come into your real identity? How do I come into my real identity? How do I wake up to who I am? You're sitting in Kingdom Awakening or the Awakening Revival Center. How do we awaken to the places that God's going to bring us? Because here's what happens. God wants to put a mission in your heart. He wants to put things inside of you. He wants to reprogram your mind, right? There's nothing that God won't give you that will not be tested. How do I get a real picture of my reality, a real picture of my identity? Nothing will go until it's tested. I know we don't like that. I'm not getting a bunch of amens. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm tested continuously. You should be, if you're not being tested, something's not happening. Like if something's not pulling you deeper or, or trying you a little bit or trying to push you off the edge, come on. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. He's the helper, not the doer. And he's here to help us to go beyond what we've thought of ourselves in the past and into our bright and amazing future. So what, what is it that holds me back? Ready? I'm going to hit it hard. It's the meditation of your mind. Your meditation reveals who you are. What am I saying meditation? I'm not talking om. I'm talking the things that are constantly going through your mind. I'm not talking about prayer. Although prayer has a part to do with it because the things that you pray, like I just said, how do we pray? What's the content of my prayer? What does my prayer life look like? Am I whining? Which we think is intercession. Or is God doing something inside of me where I begin to prophesy and I begin to speak the things that be not as though they were in my life. I begin to declare the things that are not moving yet, but I declare them anyway. And that motivates me to prayer. It motivates me for affections with the Son of God. God, how beautiful are you? Come on, it's about the beauty of his holiness. It's about the beauty of who he is. And if I set my mind on things above, that's where he is, where he's seated, Colossians chapter 2. If I'm, if I'm looking at where he is, I'm who he is. 
then my mind is stayed on him. Listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't let this just go by. I heard this before. I know my mind. Yeah. Your mind is disconnected from God unless it's trained and transformed. I promise you. I promise you it's thinking about 7,000 thoughts other than God during the day. Oh, I'm telling you. So where's our meditation? Where's the church's meditation? What am I thinking about? What am I pursuing? Where are my mindsets at? Are they about my children? Or what my children have done to me? Or how, I, or how they behave? No, really, because kids can get parents all messed up. Seriously. Seriously. Right? So then it consumes. It takes a portion of your mind. Or we get fixated on where we're supposed to be instead of where we are. Right? You want to speak into your destiny, but you won't be fi- don't get fixated and discouraged because you're thinking, I'm not married yet. Come on, believe me, you don't want to get married unless you're marrying the right person. So just wait, wait, wait for the right one, wait, wait for, wait for the right girl, wait for the right man. Come on, he's on the way. She's on the way. But don't get fixated on that. If you're fixated on it, it's becoming, it's taking too much of your mind. Your career. No, these are all things that just take up real estate in your head. And I know we have to think about them, and I know we have to prepare for them. But I'm telling you, if, if the Lord is first and foremost, he helps us. Because then he gives us these things that open up things in our, in our work. That we, all of a sudden we have creative ideas. All of a sudden I know how to solve the problem. All of a sudden I know, wow, there's the one I really want to marry. Because she just walked right in the door. Right? Seriously, right? This is the one I want to spend my life with. God had to make it foolproof for me. I'm just saying. Or are we fixated on whether we're, are we obsessing because we're not included? Are we obsessing about why am I not accepted with this one? Why am I not accepted with that one? Why, why am I outside the group? No, this all has to do, right? This is all real stuff. Smile at me. You're okay, right? You're okay. Like we, we start and we, or, ready? We're casting judgment. That's a good church thing. We start casting judgment. We start judging everything that we're seeing. Ready? God is, go- I'm telling you, the Lord's going to clean all this up in us. He's going to take care of it. And I'm telling you, these things are super important that you connect yourself to the mind of Christ. And that only comes by beholding him. By beholding his beauty. By getting in his presence. I need him in the morning. I need him in the evening. Need them all day long. Come on. And the, so what is your meditation, Ben? What's your meditation, Ben? And I want to, you know, I'm going to ask you right now. We're just going to, I'm going to take a moment. Just, we're going to, how do you define yourself? How do you define 
Ken Rand. I'm not saying out loud. I'm just saying, just how do we define ourselves? No, because I can get so, like, especially in church, we get fixated on our jobs and our functions and all these things, right? Same, same way when we're out at work. Like, it, it's, it's who I am. Like, people don't usually ask you, who are you? They ask, what do you do? Right? It's just what it is, right? Or how are you, right? It's just because everyone works, right? Or should be working, I guess, right? But these are the things. Like, how do you define yourself? It's a good question. Do you find your, you should define yourself and find yourself in the love of God. Like, find yourself in him. Find yourself, like I've said it a thousand times tonight, tethered to him. Because I'll tell you right now, see, I feel that wave of God. Right? His heart towards us, like the thoughts. The Bible says his thoughts towards you are innumerable. Like we read that, and it's a nice verse in King James, but his thoughts towards you don't end. So how are my thoughts supposed to be? My thoughts towards him should never end. Should never go to a place where I'm empty of thoughts towards God. His thoughts towards you don't end. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, it comes to a reality where all of a sudden my life is defined by the fruit of my life. Are you with me? What's the fruit of your life? What's the fruit look like? Because here's the thing. God wants to use you in powerful, powerful ways. Like, super, like we talk about the supernatural all the time. But here's where it's rooted. God wants to come and visit you and stick himself inside of you in such a way that he's like, he's like so rooted in your inner man that you can't get him out. Can you get the picture? Like I just see the Lord driving himself into your spirit, man, so you can't ever get free of God. <laughs> That's a good thought. That's a good thought. Right? He wants to be in this inner part of you that controls everything in your life. Not because he's a taskmaster and wants to, like, weird. Because he wants to have access so that everything flows nice and there's no chaos. Because you have this inner peace inside of you that you've been longing for all your life. And this joy, unspeakable and literally filled with glory. He wants you to be able to walk up to people and speak a word to them that transforms them in the marketplace, in church too. But let's start at home, right? He wants you to speak the word to one another, and he wants the fruit and the fragrance that comes out of you to smell like the Lord. John chapter 1 and I'll close off with this. See? John chapter 1 and verse 12. 
just go back to that. I read my notes. <laughs> Your fruits are not evident because you say beautiful, wonderful things. That, yeah, he wants everything to be seasoned. He wants you to be nice to people. He wants you to be pleasant to people. But it's because all of a sudden there's an outflow of Jesus Christ coming out of you. People don't even know what's on you. How do you think, how do you think, how do you think that Peter, Peter who had an anger problem, most definitely, had all these things going on in his life. How do you think that the fisherman who was denying Christ at the cross when he was being crucified, how do you think that this guy all of a sudden from the book of Acts chapter 2 to, to whatever it was, I think it's chapter 5 now, he goes in and his radiance, the atmosphere around him, and I've talked about this before, he radiates the presence of God. So you don't even have to go to touch someone. They just get healed. It said that his shadow healed people. This wasn't Jesus. Actually, it doesn't ever say that that happened with Jesus. Whoa. But it happened with Peter. Why? Because he was moving. How did it happen that when he spoke the word and said, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit that someone died? I know that brings the fear of the Lord on the church. But there is something about what Peter was carrying. And God wants you to carry that very thing. What is that thing? Him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Did you get that? John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Right? You're not. To those who believe in his name, who were, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh. Are you, got, are you tracking with me? Yes. Nor of the will of man. So no matter what flesh and blood think of you, and no matter what the will of man thinks of you, you're born of God. We could just preach a whole message on that. Listen, if you're afraid of men, if you're afraid of what everyone else thinks, you're probably not going to be able to function and do the things that God wants you to do. Because I'm telling you now, scrutiny's coming your way if you begin to move out in, the, in, in what God wants you to do. Like people will, will, will criticize and scrutinize what you're doing. Believe me. Believe me. All right? But catch this. Go back. But as many... Has received him, we can receive the Lord. To them he gave the right to become. So that tells me two different things. Tells me I've been given an invitation, I receive him. And then the next thing is that he gave me a right to become. So that means I have to choose. Did you, did you miss it? It means I have to choose. It's my right. And I have rights as a citizen in the United States. I have the same rights as an, Amer as, as an American, as a son of, of the living God. I have the same, I have the right 
in the kingdom and I have a right as a citizen of this earth. Now, whether I choose to live by those rights is two different things. Because we have people in other countries that say, I don't want to be a citizen here anymore. I'm defecting. I'm leaving. I want to go be a citizen of this country. And I want to be under those rights. And I want to be under those privileges. Guess what comes under privileges? Blessing. Guess what comes under rights? Authority. And I'm telling you, God is going to wake us up in a new way right today, right now. Into our identity. I want you to help me, yeah. And I want us to just stand. Let's just stand and I want you to think about this. We're going to go back to that question. I want, what, are, what are you meditating on? We're going to shift our meditation. We're going to shift our mindsets. Because God's created you to do something great in the earth. And I don't fix on the great, I don't fixate on the great thing because he's the prize. Guess what? The end of the day, the priests in the Old Testament, the priests of Zadok's, their, their inheritance was what? The Lord. Your inheritance is Jesus. Your inheritance is the Lord, and everything comes from that place. But you are you are you have been given a right, and I want you to make an, a, a, a decision today that I choose my right in full authority. And I think some of us just, just begin to say, I choose my right with full authority. Not to mimic me, just do it out of your heart, you know? I, I'm telling you, the Lord wants to do this in you. You got to know who you are. It's mandatory for you to move ahead. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Oh, communion. I didn't do communion. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to improvise. As a matter of fact, it's a perfect time to take communion. Right? Because we're stepping into our God-given right. And what better, better place than the table? And so I'm just going to ask you as you feel. We don't have to go running up here to grab communion. I want you to grab organically. Just grab communion as the Lord is speak, speaking to you. And we'll just take the, take the elements. I want you to just take them by yourself, okay? We'll just bless the body and the blood. Father, we thank you for your blood. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that's transformed me. I, I don't even recognize myself anymore. And I thank you that you're rooted inside of us by the blood and by your flesh, God. Right here, right now. Lord, I thank you for, the, for your broken body. I thank you that your body was broken because you didn't care what man thought. You didn't care what anyone thought. And you were the one. You were the one that, that gave us the right. You gave us the right. You pronounced it over our lives. You're called to walk as sons and daughters just like I am. Come on, Jesus is your elder brother. So, Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood right now. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you just begin to do a work inside of people's minds. And, Lord, recreate identities right here, right now. Just do it, Father, by your purposes, Father. I thank you, Father, that we are, we're not 
connected to our past anymore. I just, just tell the Lord that. I'm not connected to my past. If you think that way, just, I just release it to you, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, we thank you. 